Minds and Minds Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Hal and there's Danielle and this guy We joke, we pod. We talk, we joke, we pod. It'll make sense later. Welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. I'm Holy Hal Lublin, and I'm joined today by my fellow member of the Nation of Conversation, who will be here in scant moments. And that is Dan, Dan the Wrestling Fanielle Radford. She liked that. She's not here, but I know she would have enjoyed that. Uh, We are also joined by special guests. They are the creators of the upcoming comic series One Fall, which is about a cursed third-generation wrestler taking on supernatural monsters for profit, family, and survival. I love it already. I hate that I have to wait for it. First, we have writer David F. Walker, talker, and pop locker. Good to have you here, David. Hey, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Of course. Also joining us is artist Brett Nocell Weldley. Great to have you as well, Brett. Thanks for having me. So before we get started, uh, and and I want to talk about One Fall, I have a lot of questions. I know Danielle does as well. Uh, it seems like such a great project. I want to back up a little bit and talk about how both of you got into all this, your time as wrestling fans, sort of what got you hooked and and how that's bled into, into your work. Uh, David, why don't you go first? Oh, you want me to go first? Yes. How did I get into comics? How did I get into wrestling? Which, which do you, or how did how did Brett and I come together to uh, form this unholy alliance? I'm I'm which, interested. Uh... <laughs> the two man power trip. Uh, I'm interested in in uh, both. I'm I'm wondering, did they start at the same time? How did they parallel one another? You know, were they always sort of uh, intertwined for you? So I've been into comics since I was a little kid. You know, I, I we're talking four or five years old. So that, that's been a lifelong thing. Professional wrestling didn't really show up on my radar. I was in junior high. I, I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast, to, to Portland, Oregon specifically. And there's a pretty big wrestling scene in Portland. This is in the early 80s on Saturday nights. And so all the kids at my school were always talking about wrestling. You know, Monday morning would roll around. They would talk about these late night matches that were on TV. It was, uh, you know, it was guys like Playboy Buddy Rose and and you know this is back when when wrestlers would would sort of go on the circuits. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been a long time, but it comes and goes because man, it, it it can just take up all of your time, you know. So <laughs> you know, Brett and I have known each other for a very long time, and been talking about doing a project together. And and he came to me, and and he can elaborate on this in a second. And he said, you know, basically said, let's do a professional wrestling book. And I was like, okay. And and that's that's sort of how that came together and he's way more into current wrestling than i am i tend to i hate to say it i tend to be a bit fair weather these days but there's still a big place for it in my heart there's just there's just never enough time absolutely and there hasn't been a lot of fair weather lately on wwe programming unfortunately brett tell me where your wrestling fandom started and and your love of comics and what are you digging right now what uh, walk me through it like david i started with comics really early i was about five when i started getting into them and decided by age eight or nine that that was kind of what i wanted to do and so that fandom has always been there wrestling 
was something uh, kind of like David that I, I didn't have like a ton of exposure to growing up, uh, but I didn't really get into it until college during mm. the Attitude Era. But then after college, I you know I I kind of got out of it or you know walked away from it. It was the early two thousands and. You know, I just kind of wandered away from it, and it wasn't until, you know, 2015, 2016 that sort of by chance, I, I lived down the street from where the Portland Trailblazers play, mm -hmm. and that's where all the arena stuff comes in, and saw an ad for a SmackDown house show coming through, and uh, my girlfriend and I had both been talking about having grown up a little bit with wrestling but haven't been out of it for a while and so we were just like hey let's you know what the heck it's cheap let's let's go check it out and we had a blast and uh, it just sucked us up both right back in and it's <laughs> yeah so it's it's become sort of you know this obsession because you know the 90s didn't have the social media aspect of it at right. all all of the story, like I mean, I, I mean, I love story. I'm I'm a visual storyteller. Uh, I think that's one of the things that I, I really gravitated towards when I got back into wrestling was the the visual storytelling aspects of it, but also like just all of the interesting drama, both real and manufactured, and kind of where that line blurs and what what is real, what's not, and uh, that's become really fascinating. And I'm. I'm pretty current with a lot of a lot of the stuff going on. We have a really good uh, wrestling promotion up here called Defy. Mm -hmm. Big into AEW so far, and here we are. Yeah, yeah. So, so now with that in mind, uh, talk to me a little bit about how this project came about and how, you know, wh where does the germ of an idea start? Where do you get to? How does it get to the point where you're like, all right, we know this is what we're doing. Let's put it on Kickstarter and, and get the pitch out. Throughout my career, like I've done a lot of creator-owned books, and they've been always sort of centered around some sort of interest I have. And I was uh, I was trying to get work on a, a certain uh, well-known wrestling project through another company, and I was waiting around on that, not getting an assignment. And so I started going like, you know, if I was doing my own wrestling book, what would it look like and what would it be? And and I brought it to David at a local Comic-Con that we weren't really doing much at. Uh, I thought he would be a really good uh, partner in figuring out not just what to do with this, but he also had a really strong interest in exploitation films and you know, going back to sort of the Attitude Era stuff, like it feels very much like an exploitation film in a lot of ways. And, I, I, you know, some of the 90s filmmaking definitely kind of spiraled into, you know, a lot of the WWF stuff. So I wanted to blend in some elements that I, I've always loved from Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat and stuff like that. So it's, it's really just a mishmash of a lot of our sort of cult movie interests and... Uh, and everything else that we do. Yeah, it's it's to, to build on what Brett was saying. It was, um, we'd been talking about collaborating on something for at least ten years, if not longer. Yeah. And you know, it's, and it's one of those things like when you when you run into a friend at the grocery store or something, you go, "Hey, we should hang out more," and then you never hang out more, right? Yeah. And and so we kept talking about collaborating, and then 
finally, like, I, I guess it was about a year ago or so, um, maybe a little bit more, you know, we, we were, like Brett said, we were at a convention and it was, we both were like, yeah, it's time to do this. Let's, let's do something. You know what? Because the, the first thing that popped in my head was as much as I loved the matches, I was also really addicted to the behind the scenes stories, you know, mm-hmm. oh, so-and-so kidnapped so-and-so's wife and then brainwashed her. And now she's, you know, expecting triplets, that sort of stuff. I, I love that. And I was always kind of disappointed that that stuff never got more attention. And that's sort of where things really started to come together. Because I, I was like, do we want to try to compete with all the other wrestling comics that are just sort of doing straight narratives? Or do we want to get a little nutty and creative? And the moment Brett said, yes, you want to do that, I was like, okay, we, we're going to have some fun with this. So One Fall it started out as a, as a Kickstarter that you raised almost double yeah. the amount of money you were asking for, uh, closed in March, Mazel Tov on that. And I know, I know once you've had a successful Kickstarter, you move on to sort of the logistics and fulfillment stage. So uh, where are yep. you with that in, in your process now we're in, uh, now that we're in mid-June? All the orders have been fulfilled, uh, and, and now we're working on issue two. And, and I should say more clearly, I'm the one who's – I like to always throw my artists under the bus and go, oh, the artist is behind schedule. But it's really <laughs> me. I'm the one who's behind schedule on, on issue two. And it's interesting because I just got an email from someone the other day that was like, hey, how can I get one fall? And I was like, oh, man, we don't have the, – the store isn't up on the website yet. And Comixology, which is the leading digital comics website, mm-hmm. they, they can take up to four months to approve your submission. So Brett and I will – he doesn't know this yet. He's hearing this for the first time. We'll get together next week and hash out some stuff and I'll have some have, have more oh, of the script okay. picked out. Because fortunately we live right down the street from each other. So I love that, that we can be not only a place to talk about wrestling and comics, but a scheduling uh, <laughs> platform as well. Because Google Calendar was Ripping. down yesterday. Ripping. Fuck those guys. We're up all the time. Just come on and you can make plans. <laughs> Brett, you have plans. You're going to meet in a couple days. Uh, Danielle is here and wants to ask some questions. Before we get back into wrestling, uh, Danielle, uh huh, jump in. Uh huh. Sorry, I just sat down and then had a swig of. I guess they make a mango Lacroix now. Is it good? It I looks like. I feel like it's not that good. Amend it, but I'm going to drink it because I'm thirsty. Hi, fellas. Nice to meet you. <laughs> good to meet you too. Lacroix is gross. Just so you know. I love Lacroix. I'm just, I, to I want to start off adversarially. <laughs> I feel like Lacroix's Feel-ing been canceled. Has it been canceled? Lacroix people are like, been canceled. people are like, we don't like because it used to be anywhere where comedy was happening. Yeah, there was like a pyramid of Lacroix. Well, I think it, there's just cheaper alternatives now, like to, Every, like tonic water. Like, you, like everyone's in the game. <laughs> yeah, everyone's in the in the <laughs> hint of flavor game. You could also just drink normal water. I mean, um, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you want, I do have a question. If you want to, if you need a sec, or if you want to jump in, you can jump in. Yeah, yeah, go ahead because I have some. I have a couple. Can you give everybody uh, who's listening here who may not uh, have heard of One Fall yet, uh, which is their fault? My goodness, we've already mentioned it like a <laughs> bunch of times. You should have paused and gone and found it already. Uh, give everybody the 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 story uh, about it. Uh, give us the pitch. Well, the, the first issue of One Fall introduces our, our lead character, a guy named Jimmy King, also known as the Resurrector. He's a third-generation wrestler uh, who's afflicted with the, the family curse, which is he dies and then he comes back to life. 
which is, you know, inspired in in some ways by, um, you know, some of those storylines during the Attitude Era and, and even before that. Um, and and so we find him in in a match. He's actually wrestling under a different name with hmm. a mask, trying to hide his identity because he's hmm. tired of getting killed in the ring. And, <laughs> um, Relatable. Yeah, and and uh, but he's tricked into a, a cage match with a werewolf. And and so early on, we we start to realize, okay, wait a second, this world is completely different than the world that we know. Um, and and as the story unfolds, as we as we move into issue two and beyond, what we're going to see is that it's taking place at this crucial time where uh, there's all these different promotions all over the world, but there's one greedy promoter that's trying to consolidate everything. He's trying to to fold in all the other promotions and take over all the territories. And we start to see, you know, it's, it's at the time when, when cable and pay-per-view is just becoming a big reality. And, and, um, and so we're going to see how, how the resurrector, you know, fits into this world. And, and what we start to realize as the story unfolds as well, is that wrestling is in this world, it's even more everything than it is in our world. <laughs> If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it's you know the president of the United States is a former wrestler, and and it's it's all kinds of stuff like that that we start to see that there there really is no baseball, no basketball, no football. Everything is wrestling in mm. this world, right? As it should be, yeah. As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> David, you do not watch current product, really, but Brett, you do watch current product. I'm curious yeah. who uh, each of your favorite wrestlers of all time are. And then, and then, Brett, who do you like that you're watching now? If it's some, if it's someone different, all time guys are, you know, you got Stone Cold and mm-hmm. Undertaker, and oh, there's just so many, so many from that era that are amazing. Um, current guys, though, you know, I I love guys on the AEW side like Pentagon. I also love all the guys that are currently getting buried in WWE like Shinsuke and Rusev and. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. There's so much. They're really I like loaded. I mean, there there are so many talented people that are just not being used as well as they could be, and I'm hoping that with all of the uh, opportunities out there to make product, that that people are getting a chance to show what they can actually do, as opposed to just being told what to do and it not being that creative. Yeah, like someone on uh, Squared Circle on Reddit did a chart of like how many people there are, um, just like how many wrestlers WWE has scooped up between NXT, NXT UK, you know, SmackDown and Raw and 205 Live. And they have right now on those rosters, let me grab that number because I want to make Can sure I, I guess have... in the meantime? Yeah. 5,223,443.2. You're close, um, but it's actually 201. Too many. They have 200 and and that doesn't even count people who are at the Performance Center who are like getting ready to make their NXT debuts. Yeah. They have 201 people across all rosters. And yet we're only seeing, you know, the same 50 well, now with the wild card rule, we just see the same five. Yeah, um, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, the brand split is dead. David, who's your favorite wrestler of all time? I think about the guys I was watching when I was a kid, and, and the two that stand out the most that I was always really into was Roddy Piper and Junkyard Dog. Those were the two that when I was a kid growing up, I just loved watching the two of them. 
Um, and I loved, you know, Piper, uh, Piper's pit. Yes. And, and he sort of embodied to me that, um, I was talking about the writer in me that, that was always drawn into wrestling. It was the personas. It was, it was the way he came across. So yeah, I think, I think it might be Piper and there was something about JYD that really, you know, appealed to me. And I, I remember when he died in the nineties, um, that was, I was sort of, back in a little bit Mm -hmm. and then he died and that was just so devastating to me i I, it was one of those things like i i remember this really clearly a friend of mine calling me a friend of mine who lived in new york and he was like oh my god you you won't believe who just died it was you know junkyard dog and i was like what and it was this weird feeling and that sort of actually brought me back into wrestling for a while um and like i said it's always been sort of hit or miss because you know, especially in, in the '90s, the, the the mid to late '90s, you could just you could lose all your time watching wrestling. And now mm-hmm. it seems like, mm-hmm. like, as Brett said, with social media, it's even more so. Um, the, the the one interesting thing I, I forgot to leave out was I had applied for a job at, at back when it was still F, when it was WWF, back in the the early '90s. I guess it must have been late '80s, early '90s. I had applied for a job there, and and spent a long time trying to get work working for them in the this like the story development department mm. right and and it never worked out so i feel like maybe one fall is me scratching that itch that i had like when i was say 19 or 20 yeah because like definitely you know you talk about your love of mortal Kombat, and i'm a huge mortal Kombat fan i probably make way too many mortal Kombat references but that was initially what brought me into wrestling during the attitude era because there was all that supernatural undertaker stuff i believe my first episode of raw was the episode where they had tied stephanie up to that like fake crucifix like taker symbol um and i was watching that and i was like oh shit this is mortal Kombat. like wrestling is this you know this thing were there any moments of watching wrestling where you really saw the parallels between you know the the supernatural and all the stuff that you brought to the book one of the things that we talked about early on was that you know wrestlers are essentially superheroes in a sense and you know they're the bigger than life personas and Despite that there's all this interest in wrestling and there's interest in superheroes that comics haven't done a whole lot with that. Uh, There are some wrestling comics out there, but most of them are licensed off of real people. Mm -hmm. It just seemed like completely unexplored that you could take the framework of wrestling and the matches and everything else, how, how they tell stories and do so much more with it that they aren't. And there's, there's so much of the story that gets, gets lost and that we can, do something that that has that sort of superheroes battling each other kind of thing and give it a world which that supports that hmm. but you know do something a little different that's great uh i'm kind of curious uh for each of you uh, your opinion of rest and you talked a little bit about this that this is this comic uh for you in particular david is your opportunity to sort of take story ideas you would have had inspired by wrestling and take them out into the like the nth degree and bring in all these other pop culture uh, pieces, uh, but I'm curious what each of you think about wrestling as it exists now as a medium to tell stories. I, I mean, I, I think wrestling is an amazing format to tell stories in, both in the ring and outside of it. Um, I've been a big fan 
past few years of how Lucha Underground tells their stories. Hell yeah. I understand it's made a little differently than your normal wrestling show is, but uh, it's great how how filmic it was and how they brought in some of these supernatural elements in a way that wasn't cheesy. It was just really well made and and the initial stuff with AEW I think I think is really good from a this is serious wrestling here. As much as you can bag on WWE, like I still I still love them. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. You know, it's still it's still fun. It's hard to watch three hours of what they're doing, you know, at a, at a sitting these days. But you know, I'll, I'm still gonna watch Stomping Ground this weekend. It's <laughs> one of the first, we'll watch it in our bar. We we go to a bar and uh, a big wrestling group there. Um, Man, and that's that's super fun. I remember when you, there used to be bars that were like, this is where you would go to watch pay-per-view. Like, this was a wrestling bar, like, in the same way that there were bars you would go to watch the World Series. Yeah. Mine was Hooters. Mine was Hooters, too. <laughs> was it the one in Santa Monica? No, you were. No, you I, were, was in, I was in Seattle. There was one, there was one out here at 4th and, and, um, and Santa Monica, 4th and Lincoln or something. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was somewhere, no, 4th and Santa Monica. And uh, I would go there and, you know, look, if you work as a server at Hooters... You are you are trained to like you have to engage the yeah, person. Yeah, you're at the like table. part of the party or whatever. And they would come up and be like, ladies. "Hey, honey, how?" Are you? I'd be like, "I would like these wings, unbreaded and a lemonade, and uh, I'm only making contact with your eye, eye contact with your eyes, and now I'm going to look at this television." <laughs> <laughs> so awkward. I always love uh, my Hooters waitress wound up on America's Next Top Model. Really? Yeah. Did, I don't, she, she, did didn't she win? Make, no, no. But she came pretty. She went pretty far. Well, there you go. These are Hoot Facts with Danielle and Hal. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us on Hoot Facts. Yeah, the <laughs> podcast within a podcast that doesn't taste as good as you think it will. They, they used to be so good. They changed it. Too it buttery. Used to, it used to be a dry wrap. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I like a non-breaded wing. What kind of Hooters do you guys like? Yeah, what's your, what are your, let's get into the nitty gritty. <laughs> We've talked about wrestling, which is what this podcast is about. Now we're going to talk about wangs. Yeah. This is what happens when I get in the booth. You guys were better off without me. <laughs> oh, I would have brought it around the wings. Don't you worry about I've, that. I, I've only been to Hooters once. I hate to admit it. Or maybe I'm proud to admit it. I don't know. I've only been to Hooters once. Both are correct. Yeah, both are correct. I'm glad that the women there get to make good money. Yeah. Um, but it's also like, uh, just go to a strip club, dudes. They have food there, too. They don't have wrestling, though. They I guess some don't. of them might. They might. But not on TV. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious, uh, just talking about wrestling stories again, if the, if there's one sort of iconic storyline that comes to mind. If I if I say, what is the best wrestling storyline you can remember, what, what, would, what would each of your answers be? I don't even remember what I had for lunch yesterday or watched on TV last week. It was Hooters, week, right? So... That was your one time. Yes, that was my first time at Hooters was last <laughs> week. Well, and this is really going to date me. But I saw the first WrestleMania mm-hmm. and I was so drawn into that whole dynamic of, um, you know, right before WrestleMania, there had been an event where Hulk Hogan, uh, where where Mr. T came and rescued Hulk Hogan. Hmm. And yeah, I, I probably was like 13, 14 at the time. And that was like the coolest thing I've ever seen. And, you know, Cindy Lauper was doing her thing. Mm-hmm. And Captain Lou Albano. And and this was just at the beginning of, of wrestling really becoming 
this the big huge thing that it now is right yeah and and that was to me again the writer in me the the, the kid who was was really into storytelling i was really hooked for about a year or two there and that but that whole moment when and i can't remember where they were when mr t ran down and helped you know, save Hulk Hogan. And I was just like, it was oh, the, this is it. Yeah, I think it was on TV. I think mm-hmm. it was the, maybe yeah, the war to settle the score or something like uh, that. Oh, maybe. You know, that's or something like time. that. Yeah. Not, I mean, I was around. I yeah. just wasn't watching. That was before you, that was before you were indoctrinated. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I go back to a lot of that classic stuff. And mm-hmm. that was, that was one of those things where, um, again, like this, the, the, it, it, you know, even back then, you kind of had to. Even more so back then, you had to sort of defend your interest mm, in in mm-hmm. certain things. Yes, wrestling was one of them. Comic books was another one of those things. Um, and and so to me, it was always like, hey, these, these are really fun stories. This is really entertaining. And and so, uh, but yeah, that was it. I just remember being so hooked that moment because I was a big Mr. T fan. I mm. I, I even had a mohawk just to be like him. So I love it. Yeah. Well, after a quick break, we're going to take a look at another one of wrestling's most intensely personal stories. But for now, thank you both David F. Walker and Brett Weldley. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us and please tell everybody uh, where they can follow you, what they should be looking for and uh, how they can prepare themselves uh, to be, to be one fall readers and fanatics. The best thing is uh solid comics. That's my little publishing imprint that puts out one fall. So we're on uh, Instagram uh, as Solid Comics DFW. My my initials for some reason someone already stole Solid Comics. And on Instagram, or not Instagram, excuse me, Twitter, we're just at Solid Comics. Mm-hmm. And then there's a um, there's also a website. There's a Solid Comics website and a Facebook page. And and because I'm a total slacker, I'm behind in keeping up with all that stuff. But I promise we're we're um, I get around to responding to people and issue two is in the works. Fantastic. In the meantime, everybody, if you have any thoughts on all the things we've discussed so far, let us know about them at facebook.com slash group slash tights fights and at tights fights on Twitter and Instagram. And Hey, if you listen to this podcast and you work for comiXology, approve the damn comic. We give it our stamp, whatever it needs. <laughs> Don't make me show up to your offices. Bad thing happen when I show up at an Bad office. Bad thing happen office. Bad thing happen. See, it's already happening. <laughs> I'm hulking out right now. God damn it. Anyway, we'll be back in just a minute on Tights and Fights. Hello, listeners of Maximum Fun. I want to tell you about our newest podcast that tells you all about the truth of the flat earth. Have you been looking out over the horizon and you've been thinking, wait a minute, this doesn't look round. I've been lied to my whole life. What is NASA doing with $52 million million a day? day? Uh, uh, come on. We explode the myths. Just kidding. We're Ono, Ross, and Carrie, and we investigate extraordinary claims. That's right. We investigate extraordinary claims firsthand. We go undercover in fringe groups. We get alternative medicine treatments. And we hang out with people who have unusual beliefs, like flat earthers, 9-11 truthers. We do ghost investigations. We've joined Scientology. And we got baptized in the Mormon church. If it goes bump in the night, then so do we. (laughs) Hmm. Why don't you check out Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org? Tides and Bites Podcast. Tides and Bites. 
Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. I'm joined today by... Danielle Radford. I just want all of you to be aware before I read this that Julian wrote it while he was on DayQuil. Uh, so here's the intro. This week, we're going to take a look... <laughs> what? This week, we're going to take a look at one of the most beats that made it so effective. This wicked, wicked, wicked wild. is the beatdown. Hey, yo, white boy. Give him a beat. Anyway, in 2005, Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio kicked off a rivalry that began as friendly, but culminated into the first and thankfully last match for the custody of a child. Never. Do it again. So far. In honor of Father's Day, uh, let's take a look. <laughs> Eddie and Ray, two great workers that work great together. Uh, when I think about them... The thing that comes to mind for me, first of all, I think about Rey Mysterio's dedication of his world title win to Eddie. Oh, my God. Yeah. But be, but before that, I think about the SmackDown 6, which was Edge and Rey Mysterio versus the Guerreros versus Benoit and Angle mm-hmm. uh, in a th- in a three-team feud over the tag belts that lasted for a very long time and mm-hmm. never, like, got better and better and better as it went. Now, see, for me, this was one of my dark periods where I wasn't really watching, but, mm-hmm. like... I would peek in occasionally. So some of the stuff I saw, if it, I mean, if it was Eddie and Ray, I was probably at least kind of keeping an eye on it. Sure. Um, but it's one that I went back and watched, um, especially when I got the network, which, you know, that's back when I did that. Um, mm-hmm. I w- would go back and that was one of the feuds that I went back and watched. Well, let's take a walk through. Especially for the Vicky stuff. Sorry. Of course. You guys know I, you guys know I like a crazy botch story. <laughs> and we'll talk about that. Uh, the, this feud starts with Ray and Eddie as, as the tag team champions going into WrestleMania 21. They didn't defend the titles. They actually wrestled each other in an exhibition match, which Ray won. And it, that was the key here. Eddie Guerrero could not beat Ray Mysterio in a one-on-one match. And through it all, Eddie always remained good-natured about it. You know, they were. It, this was sort of like a, a Ciampa Gargano. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had that. They have like these matches, but but maybe less intense at yeah. the time. It was like. They had a match. Eddie couldn't win. Handshake. Good job, buddy. Well, and it's hard to believe now, especially because I know that apparently, like, apparently, I say that word too much, Um, especially because I know that so many of the people who listen were people who are newer listeners or people who, like, didn't necessarily watch a lot of wrestling. And mm-hmm. for some reason, our babbling made you get into it. And that's dope. But Eddie, uh, you know, Eddie obviously, like, was, he's, you know, a journeyman. He's a worker. Everyone loves Eddie. Rey Mysterio at one point, was the most popular wrestler in the fucking world. Right. And it's hard to imagine because dude comes up to, like, my shoulder, you know, like, he's obviously, he's a brown dude, and we all know how tough that can be. Mm-hmm. He wears a mask, even though he's very pretty, so sometimes they would have him take the mask off just because he's gorgeous. Right. Horrible idea. Terrible idea. Terrible, Horrible idea. Terrible idea. So mad when it happened in WCW. Yeah. So mad. Terrible idea, but they did it because he's pretty. Um... So he wasn't, and even then, like, there were still, there were a lot of big dudes that were still doing it. You know, Jericho was very popular as, like, a smaller dude. Um, But it's Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, but yes, him too. But Rey Mysterio was at the top of the fucking world for, like, years. Yes. Uh, And I just feel like that's, like, really, really important context, especially if you're watching him now. And now you see why when he comes in, he gets such a big pop and people love him so much. And if you think he can work now... Who boy, you should have fucking seen him 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, you should have seen him when he had knees. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing he can still work to the extent that he does, given what his style is, because that style is not friendly on joints or nope. backs or mm-hmm. anything. 
uh, and the amount that he has to bump as a little guy. But uh, during these during the series of one on one matches, they lose the tag titles which they had held, and Eddie remained good natured. Uh, but after Eddie lost to Ray a fourth time, he gave Mysterio a big shove out of frustration, only for them to make up later. Here's a clip. There's one, just one thing that means more to me than this business. And that's my family. Chills. Ray. Do it is. You are my family. I know. That sometimes you're not a hundred percent up here. Hey, we all do it. Sorry, man. But there's something I do know. You're a hundred percent in your heart. That's what counts for me. Right now, back then, and forever. Well, no, and so I think that this is also important to put into context and and correct me if I'm wrong, because remember, my timeline in this period is a little squidgy. But this was also around the time when Eddie was really kind of big into his like um, his redemption arc, where it was like he had been right. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so when Ray mentions that it's because Eddie had, you know, very publicly had been dealing with addiction problems yeah. and was at this point very proudly sober. And it was something that they talked about a lot, both on the show and in his real life. So that's just an important piece of context, too. Absolutely. A few weeks later, when Ray was being attacked, Eddie came out to make the save only to turn on Ray, viciously beating him, ripped up his mask, suplexed him onto the steel steps and then gave this explanation. I realized that each and every one of you were living vicariously through me. Mm. You were stealing my passion, my love, my energy. You were stealing my Latino heat. He's right. But as of last week, not anymore, because I got it back. I got it all back. And one thing, I mean, poor Ray, because I feel like Ray was the easiest person in the world to get heat on because everybody was bigger than him. So it inherently came off as bullying whenever right. you beat him up. Sure. So like you think about all the times he got beaten up. It was like Batista turned heel on him. Chris Jericho got a lot of heat off of him. Every single one of the like big show, great colleague, Mark Henry. And it doesn't be up Ray Mysterio. And it didn't yeah. help him that that man can bump like a motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> like you like you look like you are murdering him. Yeah. Uh, so this moment spurred further transformation. Eddie ditched the low riders, started using an older finisher called the Lasso from El Paso, and he even remixed his music, which now sounded like this. Can you feel the heat? Say hello to Eddie. See, now the lying and cheating and stealing is not as charming. Yeah. So nice that that uh, theme music starts with a call from a Nokia brick phone. <laughs> Uh, hello, it's lying and cheating and stealing. How can yeah. we help you? Oh, hold on. That's a call from the guy who frosts my tips. Let me just talk to him real quick. Uh, <laughs> with this new attitude, Eddie still couldn't beat Rey Mysterio. And because of this, Eddie blackmailed Rey into giving him one more match, or else he would reveal a secret about Rey's son, Dominic. And even though Eddie lost that match, he decided to be a real heel and reveal the truth. And I may have promised you... 
and my wife to keep my mouth shut if you beat me at the Great American Bash, which you did. <laughs> which but you guess did? what, Ray? So good. I lie! Dominic, Dominic! Ray is not your father! No es tu papá, hijo! The truth of the matter is, I'm your father, Dominic. I'm your papi. It's so fucking dumb, and he sells it so well. So this brings us to SummerSlam. This is where this storyline went off the... I mean, I, I watched this as it was happening 14 years ago. <laughs> so and good. this is the point where I was like, wait, what the fuck? Because they have a match at SummerSlam that's a ladder match that has Dominic's custody papers hanging above the ring. Yes, so, yes, custody right. on a ball. If Eddie wins this match, then he did fuck Rey Mysterio's wife. But if he loses the match, then he did not fuck Rey Mysterio's wife. Actually, no, no, no. It's a legal procedure. So the way that it works is that if Please, you got paralegal, uh, so if you if you get to the top of it first, yes. then legally, um, the state of wherever they were in had to acknowledge that uh, that Eddie had proper custody. Um, at some point, I assume they would have put a parenting plan, um, <laughs> put a parenting sure. plan between him and um, and Rey Mysterio's wife on a pole, so they can decide who. Gets summer vacations who get spring vacations oh i'm sure it was soul custody which weekends <laughs> there that i mean you could drive a a uh stone cold could drive a a budweiser truck through this plot hole where they're like did he but is ray going like all right you did and i'm mad that you told the secret or is this news to him there's no acknowledgement from his wife of like yeah this happened oh. I don't think, I think the thing was that Dominic was supposed to be adopted and like Eddie mm. gave Ray Dominic from like, as like this like child that he'd had in like an extramarital affair that didn't have anything to do with them. Like, so really? Ray wasn't I... supposed to be his, bio, he wasn't supposed to be his biological kid. There was a time when me and my wife were separated. And I was going to a little local, partying, drinking, having sex with a lot of different mamacitas. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Well, one day, one of these came and told me that she was pregnant. I didn't want anything to do with that, Nino, and neither did she. I mean, come on, she already had seven of them. So I told her I would take care of it. Out of the goodness of my loving heart, I gave my bambino to my best friend to raise as his own son. And that baby was named Dominic. Uh, fun fact, I believe that I sold Dominic um, a, a, a DS. Oh. Because I definitely sold one to Ray. That's how right. I know how tiny he is. 
um, when they came into for WrestleMania 19, I believe. Um, I don't know if I've ever told you guys, but I was at WrestleMania 19. No, no, didn't know that. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it. Really? But he Where was, was that one? Uh, that was in Seattle. Oh, wow. Oh, have I mentioned that I'm from Seattle before? No. Okay, great. We'll say, so I'm from Seattle. Oh, cool. cool um, and cool, at the cool, time, cool. I was working as the assistant manager of video games. And oh, did I you sold, sell video games? I did. I don't know if I've told you guys that before no, either. But I yeah, so I used to I used to sell video games. Um, and so around that point, a lot of wrestlers were coming in, and I sold one to Rey Mysterio. It was on hold for someone else. Um, but I sold it to him because I am a mark. Also, fun fact, um, I did not do that for when the South Park creators came in. <laughs> they did not have one on pre-order. They did not get a DS. Oh, too bad, gentlemen. Sorry, Matt and Trey. Uh, look, I know we're supposed to take a look at one of the most beats that made it so effective, but I have to say that this beat is where it falls apart. This is the best thing in the world. Now, the ladder match is fun. <laughs> I enjoyed the ladder match a great deal. It's very good. Uh, Eddie's wife, Vicky, who would later become a uh, an on-air personality, throughout this storyline had been against Eddie's actions and disgusted by him. And then uh, she returns during the match to push Eddie off the ladder and allow Ray to get the briefcase and win. Of course, fun fact, Botchamania, Vicky missed her cue and forced Eddie and Ray to improvise, leading to this funny moment. In case you couldn't hear that, because we can't do it like a 911 call on Unsolved Mysteries, he said, where the fuck was Vicky? God damn it. Okay, let's play it again, because now that they know to listen for it, they can hear it. Yeah. Ray Mysterio out of desperation, and look at Eddie. Frustrated. Frustrated. Now you hear it, didn't you? It's like a seeing eye. Once we tell you it's a schooner. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Finally, we get one more match between Ray and Eddie, this time in a steel cage where Ray can't perform the 619 because of the design of the cage. What will happen? Uh, And the week before this, Eddie cut one final promo for this rivalry. I lost my kids. I lost my wife. Perdí todo. I lost everything. And I can sit back here and say, it's your fault. But you know what, Ray? It's my fault. Mm. I made the mistake of giving you a chance, Ray. Next week, in this steel cage, you're going to have to take on me. How can you beat someone that's already lost everything? Who's not going to lose? There's nothing rewrite who has nothing to lose. Well, it, it's fine. It's fine. No, it's great fine. promo. Great promo. Eddie's, Eddie's Don't, great I like promo. that he didn't do the cliche end. Yeah. And he did get his win. And he did get that his win. That was his win over Mysterio. From there, he would turn face once again, working with Batista before he passed away later that year. And Ray would go on to win the Rumble mm-hmm. and become world champion, which we talked about a little bit at the top. And again, uh, sorry, context. Yeah. Context, lady. Um, so one of the reasons why that promo is so powerful and, and the reason why it did work is because so much of his sobriety was tied into he wanted to keep his family. He wanted to keep his family. Yeah. That was something he was big on both in interviews and in the ring. And so for him to be like, I lost everything. I lost my family. That like that built on. Um, it's one of those rare instances. Well, I guess they weren't as rare back then. But it's one of those instances where they had built on so much of what made him work as a face mm-hmm. um, and so much of what made him work when he um, had had conquered his substance abuse issues. So, 
Yeah, this is one of those rare, just to sort of put a button on this, this is mm-hmm. one of those very odd rivalries that is, it does a spectacular job of drawing from real life. Yep. And, and their real and life history. Those, and, and blurring those lines of their real life history. And also introducing the most wackadoo shit on the planet. Right. And making a ladder match out of it. Uh, and, and you, Jason Jordan, wish he could. That's right. You you can't Dominic Dominic walked so Jason Jordan can run. <laughs> uh if if Eddie Guerrero were not as great on the mic as he was, and were the two of them not as good in the ring as they were and Rey Mysterio still is, I think that this storyline would have been an absolute failure. Either one of them. Absolutely. Either one. I and mean, that's you could say that about a lot of things, but but the pressure that this has on it that on the one end, like, oh, this is really well yeah. constructed and, and Eddie's descent into madness and and the things that he loses on the way because mm-hmm. he's hyper focused on the wrong thing at, versus I'm your poppy and we've got custody in a briefcase over the ring. <sighs> like that is that is Way harder to pull off than a lot of these of were Russo years, lives. right? No, no, Russo was gone. Damn. This is two thousand five. How? Damn. But <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just it's also. I would rather have I'm your poppy than, oh no, you know Eddie is devolving and and he's going back on his sobriety or whatever. And I'm saying like there's lots of ways you could do that. Yeah, story. I was gonna say those aren't more the than only two options, right? <laughs> but we are still talking about WWE. Sure. That that's what we're talking about for the booking. Yes. And if we're going, you know, custody on a pole match, they're not necessarily looking for subtlety there, Hal. They're not looking for the subtlety of you've always been my brother and you're doing better than me and now I'm sober and I can't make this work, which would be the way that I would do it, where he wouldn't sacrifice his sobriety, but it would be like, you know, I've done all of this stuff to to have my family and to do this, and it's still not getting me where I need to get. Yeah. So maybe now I need to turn fucking ruthless. Yes. I agree. Which would be how I would do it. That's Give the me way a bu- to do it. If you've got any thoughts on this rivalry, let us know about them at facebook.com slash group slash tightsfights and at tightsfights on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be back right after the break with some things from wrestling that you should know about. You're listening to Tights and Fights. Genre film fans, hear me. I know you're out there. Do not be ashamed of your love for gore, action, sci-fi, or fantasy. It's time to come out of the shadows. Because on Switchblade Sisters, we celebrate our love for genre films. I'm film critic April Wolf. Each week I have a conversation with a different female filmmaker about their fave genre film, and we cover film craft, getting projects off the ground, working with actors, and our general love for genre movies. I've had so many great guests, like Heather Graham. In the past, it's like so many films are made by men that the female point of view is not always respected, which is why all these stories haven't come out till now. Jennifer's body director, Karin Kusama. I think there's a lot more fantasy and a lot more expectation projected onto a woman director. Comedian and actor, Kate Berlant. I mean, it sounds so cheesy to talk about it in yourself, like, you just keep going, You're, you know, I'm just a vessel, like, I I just do it, you know, I don't think, but, like, that is what it is. And many others. So check out Switchblade Sisters every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Loveland. I'm joined today by... Daniel Radford. This week, we're going to end the show by sharing some of the joy of pro wrestling with you. This is The Three Count. 
Danielle, what do you got? I have two things. I have two counts. Two things. Two things. Um, okay, so first off, um, I want to talk about you got you guys know I love Effie. Um, and Effie has announced that he is doing um something special on July 6th, and I'm gonna let this promo speak for itself. How do I cement the legacy of Effie in the world of independent wrestling? By doing something no one else could. I'm lining up as many twinks as I can find in the beautiful city of Fargo, North Dakota. 84% red voting and not quite ready for a big queer motherfucker like me. You line those twinks up, hairless, small, thin, and legal, as many as you can get, because Effie needs to know his limits. Effie needs to know how many it takes to take him down. So obviously that's the most amazing thing ever that he's doing a twink gauntlet. Yes. I it, it reminds me of that thing of like, would you rather fight one big duck or 20 small ducks? Effie's going to take on 20 small ducks. And I'm very, <laughs> I, or however many it's going to be. I'm very excited. I wish I could be there for it. And then secondly, um, Stokely Hathaway, who is just a monster, 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 monster um, on Twitter. He really understands how to use social media. He has been going through a saga because someone at the Performance Center, has stolen, stolen his CD player. Um, it was the CD player he would use when he would work out. It was his portable CD player. So he's been going back and 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 questioning different wrestlers um, at the Performance Center and on NXT about the whereabouts of this one. Um, here's one that was my favorite. This is when he and Adam Cole get to talk. Cole, Cole, what's going on? You have got to be, listen, Stokely, to be honest, I don't even know how you got hired. I, I've already complained to HR about you harassing literally everybody. So you can get out of my face right now before there's a problem, okay? Listen, Cole, I just, I, I, I just wanted to say you were an inspiration to me. Like, I wish, I wish that I could be like you when I grow up. I, I, I literally got into this business to do what you do, to boss people around and lower their self-esteem. That's what I want to do. So that's that's all I want to say, and and I had had an extra ticket to see Bobby Brown. I figured you would come. Stokely, let me let me stop you right there. Maybe we can restart this whole thing, a fresh start, okay? Because I like a lot of what you were saying. So thank you, thank Stokely. You. How's it going? Pretty good, man. Good. Uh, just looking for my CD player. If you can help. You me. have got to. Be um, he is treating this like a real investigation. <laughs> there are so many parts up. Um, it is it is a string. Um, there are so many parts up on his Twitter, and it is so funny. And it's a real chance to get to see the wrestlers kind of do something that's like fun. And it's a great way to put him himself over as a character. Um, so go check that out and go follow him, man. He's so good at Twitter. Fantastic. I'm going to put over Daniel Bryan, the planet's champion, even without a title. <laughs> Uh, he was sitting in on guest commentary along with Eric Rowan when Heavy Machinery uh, faced off against the B team. And during the Caterpillar, Daniel Bryan revealed his uh, super secret world-class wrestler strategy to counter that move. I want you to take a good look, Daniel Bryan, because you on Sunday could be the victim of the Caterpillar! Are you kidding me? I would just move. Otis! <laughs> a lot of time. Easier said than done. I'm that does it master. for Tights and Fights. We are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. This week, your hosts were Danielle Radford, along with me, Hal Lublin. Listen, I don't know if we have any Emmy voters who listen to the show. I hope we do. Or people who know Emmy voters. 
Uh, yours truly is up for consideration in the category of outstanding character voiceover performance uh, for my work in Venture Brothers. So uh, if you're a voter, uh, please consider sending your vote my way. I will thank the Nation of Conversation if, uh, if I'm nominated and win. And also, if you're a voter and you just see my name on the ballot, will you please snap a picture and send it to me? I could at least frame that. Because basically, look, this category is usually the cast of The Simpsons and the cast of The Family Guy duking it out to see whose turn it is to win. Uh, but who knows? Maybe maybe your buddy, your pod dad, could sneak onto the ballot. Plus, just having, like, Emmy nominated next year. Yeah. It's pretty fucking dope. I'm dude. using Emmy considered now. You should. I'm totally using it. Uh, but, yeah. If no you one know will somebody, know what that means, but you should. <laughs> if you see someone, say someone should vote for me. Oh, and also, if you are uh, able to vote, um, as per usual, Honest Trailers is up for consideration in something, something digital, something, something, something. Um, digital streaming series? Who knows? Um, but where we will definitely, definitely lose... Um, but if you could vote for us for consideration, maybe this will be the year that we don't lose to Carpool yeah. Karaoke. Let's do it. And speaking of Honest Trailers, um, as y'all know, our 300th Honest Trailer just came out a couple of days ago. Um, and some of the guys did the live recording of uh, the commentaries for that. I was not there because I was here recording this podcast right now. I love y'all. So um, if you could go and show some love to our 300th Honest Trailer where we do all of the MCU except for Endgame, um, that would be appreciated. Okay. Our producer is the Stan who beat the stands, Julian Burrell. Senior producer at Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. Mike Eagle is the voice behind our theme music, so we're putting him over for that. We love you, Mike. Keep up with us all week long at Facebook.com slash group slash tightsfights and at tightsfights on Twitter and on Instagram. Julian doing the heavy lifting there, posting lots of great stuff. Come talk to us, chat with us. We want to hear from you. And hey, if you love the show, remember to hit those five stars on Apple Podcasts. Share us with all your friends. Write a review. Tell everybody what's so great about the show. One third of it might be me. Maybe not. I'm okay with it either way. I swear. I'm in therapy. It's fine. Thank you so much to the Maximum Fund members who have a portion of their recurring monthly contribution. Keep the lights on when we are in here doing our thing. We'll be back next week for even more, you guessed it, wrestling. Tights and Bites Podcast. Tights and Bites. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.